Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the show. I hope you're off to a great year in 2017. Um, I have to give a special thanks to Highmark, our lead sponsor, AudioEye, and Covestro for being sponsors of this show. And, of course, to all of my great listeners, thank you so much. You know, what I'm trying to do is make sure we get the news out to the disability community, um, quality of life, opportunity, where you need to go, and, and that is so important to all of us. So thank you all for listening. Thank you for going to the archives and listening to the show later in the day or the next day. And a special shout-out to my dear friend, Yoshiko Dart. If you've been listening, you know I start every show like this. But that's because I love Yoshiko. Justin Dart meant so much to the whole disability community. And you know what? I'm going to make sure you don't forget that. So today our guest is an author, attorney, a disability rights advocate, someone that has worked a lot in the area of access, and we are so delighted to have someone on the show with such a prestigious law career with a focus on structured settlements. Welcome to the show, Lainey Feingold. Thank you, Joyce. It's really great to be here. And it's great that you start off mentioning Justin Dart and Yoshiko. It's wonderful. Oh, yes. I love them. And Yoshiko has never stopped being an advocate. And you know what? Every time I say this to her, I know that she's shouting back, hello, Joyce, because she's told me. So with that, um, Lainey, for those of you that are listening to the show, I'm sure they'll be interested in how you first became involved in the uh, world of disability, working for the rights of people with disabilities. Uh, Yeah, that's a great place to start. Um, I would say that how it happened was really luck, but the kind of luck I didn't realize was good luck until it happened. So as I mentioned in my book, which we'll talk about in a bit, um, I was a traditional civil rights lawyer and working on race and gender issues, and I got fired from a job, and I was looking to land on my feet in another job, and I landed at DREDF, the Disability Rights Education and Defense Fund, which, as probably all of your listeners know, is a leading civil rights firm for disability rights in the United States. And I went there for four months to fill in while someone was out, and that turned into four years. And in 1996, I opened my own law practice, and I've just been doing disability rights ever since, since 1992. You know what? Isn't it amazing how things happen that may seem bad, but there's so much for the good? Thank goodness that happened to you, and you went to DREDF, where you wouldn't be able to help so many of us living with disabilities. Well, thank you for saying that. I do subscribe to the late, great Leonard Cohen's line that, you know, the cracks the cracks are where the light comes in. Yeah. So oh, yeah. That certainly yeah. happened to me in my career. Yeah, yeah. And that is, that is just, wow, such a great, such a great quote. I have to say something else. Being, starting at Dredef, wow, 
I mean, if there's a place to go to learn disability rights, it would have been Dredoff. So while you were there, Pat Wright was there. Pat, Mary Lou Breslin, Arlene Mayerson, uh, Diane Lipton, Linda Kilb. Oh, it was really such an honor and unbelievable experience to be there. And Arlene was teaching a course at the law school here in Berkeley, and I got to meet Paul Longmore and kind of a who's who of disability rights leadership. Wow. You you know what? The person I knew out of that group who I knew the best was, in fact, uh, Pat Wright. And, you know, she was a force to be reckoned with. She was the general. She made things happen. Um, And every time I see her, I'm so happy to see her again. What a great person. Yes, absolutely. So you worked first in the civil rights area. Um, as you mentioned, you work for the California Public Employment Relations Firm and you board, and you were saying you worked in civil rights. So before disability, as you mentioned, it was what major areas? Well, one of the biggest things I worked on right before I went to Dredef was a case against Shoney's, which I don't think is in business anymore, but it was a restaurant chain throughout the South, and there was a major uh, race discrimination case uh, lawsuit. At that time, I was primarily doing lawsuits, um, and there was a case against Shoney's both for not hiring and promoting black workers and also for discriminating against, uh, retaliating against white workers who bucked the system. So there were employment cases like that. I also, before disability rights work, was a labor union lawyer and I represented labor unions out here in the Bay Area, San Francisco. So I had a lot of what you could call public interest, progressive civil rights experience, but until I went to DREDF, I was not even aware of Uh, just the whole vibrancy of disability rights movement or the civil rights laws. And I ended up going there two years after the ADA passed, and it was just an unbelievable experience. And isn't it so sad that today, um, as you constantly read and see on the news, that it's like we have a divided uh, nation and that, you know, when President Obama was giving his farewell speech when he said, you know uh, how people would say, well, after I'm president, there won't be any race issues, but how wrong they were. You know, we still have a long way to go. Uh, We really do. So hopefully a lot of young people and young leaders, you know, young people will become leaders in the disability community because that's what we need. We need people marching behind us, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. It's very exciting in the law space that I'm in that uh, we have a Disability Rights Bar Association, which are lawyers who represent disabled people in all sorts of cases, employment and technology and prisoners and um, if you, you name it around disability, civil rights, people in Durban are involved and we have a really great young generation coming up to be civil rights lawyers in the disability world, and it's really great and important. Yeah, and a lot of people, you know, sometimes people would say to me, well, you know, why would I, I mean, all the big things have happened, 
meaning the Judy Human, the Ed Roberts, you know, the Pat Wright, everything you just talked about. But that is far from true. We have still so much work to do um, in so many different areas, and you are in one of those areas. I know that you have done a tremendous amount of work with uh, the blind community. Could you talk about that? What, what is the principal work you have done? Well, um, yeah, I have represented the blind community for a little more than 20 years now, and it started while I was at DREDF on the issue of ATMs that talk. And I talk about this in my book. Uh, My book is called Structured Negotiation, a Winning Alternative to Lawsuits. And it all started when blind people in California came to um, my co-counsel and myself and said, you know, the ADA just passed, but there's not a single ATM in the United States that a blind person can use. And couldn't we do something to fix that? And we had a strong lawsuit, but we thought, Maybe we should try talking to the banks about developing talking ATMs because there were none anywhere in the world at that time. So I start my book with telling the story about the talking ATMs, and we wrote letters to Bank America, Wells Fargo, and Citibank. They all said, yes, we'll talk to you. All of those uh, negotiations ended up in settlement agreements with some of the first talking ATMs in the United States, and... A few years later, our clients who needed ATMs started talking about their need for accessible online banking. And in 2000, we worked with Bank America to negotiate the first web accessibility agreement in the country. And from there, I've worked on technology issues, a whole bunch of different websites, mobile applications. And as you said, we need new leaders because we have new issues. We have new technologies. Uh, I worked on accessible pedestrian signals, on audio description for movies, and various issues that come to me through the blind community and its organizations. Well, I'd like to talk a little bit more about that. We're getting ready to go to break, but if you just joined us, we're talking to Lainey Feingold, who is a disability rights lawyer and author, and we will be talking about her book later in the show, Structured Negotiation, A Winning Alternative to Lawsuits. But right now, we're going to go to break. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back with Lainey. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Since 1985, Bender Consulting Services has served as a national leader in advancing employment of people with disabilities, including veterans with disabilities, with private sector companies, and federal government agencies. Bender assists customers with achieving their diversity and workforce inclusion initiatives by tapping into a talent pool of individuals seeking professional positions, including those in the STEM fields. In addition, Bender services include disability employment consulting, training and technology accessibility through their high-test line of service. For more information, please visit www.benderconsult.com. 
Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than three million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. If you have a question or comment, call in toll free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender. Hey, welcome back, everyone. We're talking to Lainey Feingold, disability rights attorney and author. And before we went to break, we were talking about the work that you do uh, with the blind community. And right before we left, you were mentioning there are so many new areas that we could get, you know, young leaders and advocates uh, involved in. What, what are some of those? You were starting to tell us when we went to break. Well, I was just referring to technology, and technology is has so many opportunities for disabled people. And at the same time, if we don't keep that technology accessible, then disabled people are going to be left out. So in the area of healthcare, for example, you know, there's more and more ways for machines and devices to be talking to your doctor and I always like to give the example of something that I just learned about last year called ingestibles where you could actually swallow technology that gives a readout of what's inside your own body to the patient, the person, and the doctor. And it's just such a startling example, like what is more of a need to be accessible than information about your own body inside your own self. Wow. And... These are things going forward that we just... Can you imagine with that, when that is used everywhere? I mean, that is amazing. Yeah, I know. We talk about the Internet of Things, which is also growing. And, you know, for blind people, a lot of things have gone backwards. Things used to be mechanical. You could raise the heat because there was an actual physical thing that you moved forward or back. And now things are on a flat screen. So we need and we have leadership or take you know, internet and video. There didn't used to be video on the internet. Now that there is, the deaf community is insisting on its right to captioning, which is so important. It wasn't really an issue even 10 years ago when there was less video on the internet. Mm-hmm. When, when, although there are devices you can use if you are blind or a person who is deaf, it will, at the movies, at a movie theater, it will be, really be great when that is... Uh, more advanced. Yes, we've done a structured negotiation uh, with Cinemark Movie Chain where they installed the what they call video description equipment or audio description equipment. Um, and new Pixar just came out with a new app that sort of builds in description for their movies. So every technology company really needs to be an accessibility company because Mm -hmm. all technology has to be accessible or else you're leaving out a big segment of the population. Mm -hmm. Right, right. 
Well, you know, for businesses listening to the show right now, um, you, you can't imagine how many people have said to me, well, when, when is it going to be the law for federal contractors in reference to their websites being accessible? Because I can't begin to tell you how many companies will say, yeah, we're going to work on that in the future, um, or we're just starting to work on it, almost as if it's like, okay, this is something we're thinking of doing or, you know, we're going to do it some point in time, which means that people who are blind, you used health care, for example, uh, may not be able to see their uh, EOB or, you know, or see, um, you know, anything personal about their benefits or, for that matter, apply to get by benefits from an insurance company. So what is the law in reference to all of that? Well, um, one thing is that in my book I do talk about structured negotiation that we did with uh, Anthem and with Humana on issues of making sure that websites and print documents that we all get from our health insurance companies are available in accessible and alternative formats. We've also worked uh, with those companies, uh, with Humana and others, CVS, Caremark, on talking prescription labels, which is important. So anyone who tells me that they're not working on web accessibility yet because it's not required, I'm like, you're getting bad advice from someone because the Americans with Disabilities Act, Section 504, which has to do with uh, federal funding, Section 508, federal procurement, Section 503, federal employment, employment by federal contractors, all have requirements about accessibility and non-discrimination. Because when you get right down to it, accessibility is a civil right. And yes, it's about coding practices and good design choices, but it's about the right to be included. So, you know, I don't give legal advice on a radio show. I probably should (laughs) make a disclaimer. But there are so many reasons, in addition to the law, to make content accessible. The Web Accessibility Initiative, which issues the uh, standards for good inclusive design, they have a very good series of videos called something like uh, Helpful to Everyone Required by Some. Everything you do with accessibility online is good for everyone. You can't believe how many people will say, oh, it's so hard for me to, like, I can't find something, or the color is gray on white, or all these things with good design where you incorporate disabled people into the process, you're going to end up with websites and mobile apps that are uh, beneficial and easier to use by everyone. And in the book, I tell a lot of stories about how we met uh, with big companies. We did a deal with Major League Baseball, and like I said, Anthem. And when they meet their blind customers and they see how people, in fact, interact with digital content, light bulbs go off. I mean, I've literally seen it. People people want to do it, and the law already requires it. Yeah, but as you just said, there are other reasons. You know, you have a whole population of purchasing power. I mean, there are just so many reasons to do this. Um, You know, it says... A CEO of a company said to me the other day, and this is like a number 150, you know, on the fortune list, and he said, 
that you just have to do the right thing. It's not, you know, you just have, when you're at a company, you have to do the right thing, and the right thing is including everyone. And that is so true. I have right here on page six of my, I have my book in front of me, and I know that on page six, I'm looking at it, I have a subheading that says, an opportunity to do the right thing. So, How about that? Wow. Right, <laughs> right there, because I think that has been one of the reasons structured negotiation has been such a successful process, because it has given people the opportunity to do the right thing, and it has presented the law which requires these things already in a way that's less threatening and less intimidating and allows people to go into problem-solving mode instead of defensive mode. Well, you know, there's... Um a lot of things happening, some good, some bad, but there are a lot of things happening. And I know that there are companies where their websites are being targeted by people from the blind community. Um, what's going on there? Can you talk about that? Well, we have to be very careful um, when we talk about targeting websites because people could say that about me. You know, sometimes people ask me, well, how do you decide what the next website is that you want to work on. I'm like, I don't sit here and decide. Blind baseball fans called me and asked for help with Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball became a champion of accessibility through structured negotiation. And same with every case. Just today, uh, we announced a press release issued by Motley Fool, which is a finance services committee, because blind financial investors came and said, you know, we really want to use this as an amazingly great website. It needs to be more accessible. Motley Fool was a wonderful partner, and we just announced the agreement today, actually. So we have to really be careful that there are some lawyers who are using the ADA, just like there's lawyers in every field, who use the law for reasons other than what they were intended for. But we have to be very careful not to sweep all lawyers and all activists who have a right to use the ADA to guarantee inclusion and non-discrimination. We have to be very careful not to mix them all together. Just you know what? I'm so glad you're saying that. I'm so glad you're saying that because um, I have had people, you know, ask me about this and talk to me about this, and I'll say, uh, it's not that, like, there are all these people with disabilities sitting out there, oh, who can we sue or who can we go after? The same thing, you know, with attorneys. I mean, just as you said, I'm sure there are some, there are always some, in any field, there are some, um, but I think it's more that a person, whether they're blind or have a different disability, you know, they go out, they try to use the site, and it's not accessible. Uh, I mean, I don't think it's that, and, and guess what? That's the right of that person. That is the right of that person to, you know, uh, do something about this or, you know, go to EEOC or, or whatever you're going to do. But that is your right. That would be like being in a wheelchair. You go to a building, you can't get in and they won't do anything about it. And you're not targeting that website, I mean that uh, building. You're saying I'm covered by the ADA and this has to be accessible. Uh, and, so you know, I, there are I already, agree with you. Yeah, there are already, um, you have to just be very careful that we don't let a few 
bad apples uh, take away the rights of millions of people. And in the legal profession, we already have systems where people can get sanctioned if lawyers are acting unethically or, you know, and courts have had to do this with some of these lawyers. But the processes are already there in place that we don't have to cast a negative blanket on people asserting their rights. Because, you know, I spoke about digital accessibility rights in Sweden uh, in 2014 at a conference. And people there are like, wow, you know, we're lucky to live in the United States right now. Let's <laughs> see what's going to happen after January 20th. Um, where disability access is a civil right. And there's a way to enforce it. And that, that is a good thing. And that shows a good thing. In my book, I write about language and how we, there is a feeling in this country, not just in disability rights, but in everything, that people who enforce their rights are somehow in it just for money or in it to shake down. And that's, that's a very dangerous feeling because it discourages people from enforcing their rights. Right. It's bad both ways. It's I don't want to hire the person, and it's I, I don't feel like I have a right. I don't have the right to say anything. And, and it's bad both ways. Although I must tell you, I did re, we did receive a lot of calls um, after the Anderson Cooper special. Uh-huh. I mean, a lot of calls. And, and what were your callers you, saying? What were your callers saying? That they were not happy with, that they did not feel that he presented uh, this correctly, that this really disparaged, you know, the people with disabilities right, and that it, uh, it was not a very surprise because they also agreed they love him. He's always done a lot, you know, for the disability community. And then I had some business people say to me, that's terrible. See what I mean? That people with disabilities you know, have all of this going on. So um, that's the type of calls we received. Well, I wrote about the Anderson Cooper piece um, in part because he interviewed me for an hour for the show, and he never put me on. <laughs> and he, we were led to believe that they were going to do a very different show, and they filmed a lot of disabled people in the Bay Area, and like I said, he interviewed me and my colleague, Linda Dardarian, who I do this work with, and for national television to do such a slanted anti-ADA mm-hmm. piece was, mm-hmm. I felt, appalling. So mm-hmm. people can look on my website, lflegal.com, if they're interested in what I said about it. I have to say I got probably a thousand more readers than for anything I've ever written <laughs> Well, I mean, I can see that because a lot of the disability rights groups were just so um, aghast, so upset. Uh, because, yeah, right, as you said, rightfully you know, so, rightfully it, so. It was uh, slanted. Uh, well, there you go. What is your website, Lainey? What is it? The website is lflegal.com. lflegal.com. So... You can go there and read about that so that if you have any other people talking to you about it, uh, you can see what Lainey had to say. I mean, who could be more appropriate when she was actually interviewed 
for the show. Too bad they didn't include you in that. Then it would not have been slanted the way it was. But right now, we've got to go to break. If you just joined us, we've been talking to Lainey Feingold, disability rights lawyer and author, which will soon be talking about the book. Um, And please, if you know of someone and you wish that they had heard this show, remember this show is archived at Voice America and at BenderConsult.com. You can go and hear all of the shows. So with that, we're going to break. This is Joyce Bender on VoiceAmerica.com. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. Since 1985, Bender Consulting Services has served as a national leader in advancing employment of people with disabilities, including veterans with disabilities, with private sector companies, and federal government agencies. Bender assists customers with achieving their diversity and workforce inclusion initiatives by tapping into a talent pool of individuals seeking professional positions, including those in the STEM fields. In addition, Bender services include disability employment consulting, training and technology accessibility through their high-test line of service. For more information, please visit www.benderconsult.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. Hey, welcome back everyone. We're talking today to our guest, Lainey Feingold, who is an author and disability rights advocate, and she is a specialist in structured settlement. So let's start here for all of our listeners. Uh, Can you explain what is a structured settlement? Yeah, the phrase we use is structured negotiation, and it's a process. It's an alternative, just like the title of my book is Structured Negotiation, a Winning Alternative to Lawsuits, and that's what structured negotiation is. And the book is written for lawyers and advocates, and you don't need to be a lawyer to read it. It has lots of stories about disability access and digital rights and blind people. And the settlement agreement is what results at the end of the process after a letter is written. Let's use Major League Baseball because we mentioned that. We write a letter to Major League Baseball. We explain what the problem is. Blind people can't listen to games on your website because you haven't set up the audio right. Um, And 
when the company says, yes, we'll talk to you, which most should and most have, I'm happy to say, uh, we work together, we build relationship, we share information, and at the end of the day, there's a legal settlement agreement, just like it would be if a lawsuit had been filed. And so, what again, for our listeners, what is the advantage to a company? The advantage to a company, and you know, as I wrote the book, I've been doing this work. We started, as I said, in the early 90s, or mid-90s, 1994, um, 95, and from then, just like straight on, I was doing the work and doing it in this way because... Each time a company said yes and we saw the results, it was like, wow, maybe this isn't just luck. Maybe this is actually a real process. But it wasn't until I wrote the book that I really had to almost reverse engineer what exactly do we do to get these companies to say yes. And it's not just companies who've done it with government agencies as well. And I think the advantage, well, one advantage is money. It's a lot less expensive to work in collaboration than to work in conflict. And, for example, the way lawsuits work, each side has to have their own experts. That can be a very expensive proposition. The experts fight with each other. Before I got involved in this work, I did a national class action with Shell and Chevron on the accessibility of their gas stations for wheelchair riders. And we did it all in a settlement mode, but I still had sort of the remnants of a litigation mindset. And so we had an expert, and they had an expert, and I write about it in this book, and it was just so expensive. I thought, there's got to be a better way. Why not have joint experts? So in structured negotiations, usually, not always, but one of the real advantages is at the beginning, we can say, okay, what kind of expertise do we need to solve this? You know, do we need an expert in web accessibility or how to make a mobile app? And we can agree, and so there's not double the money on experts. The other advantage, especially in disability rights, is that disabled people can serve as experts in cases where they also have claims. Whereas in litigation, the plaintiff is put into a certain role, Here, in structured negotiation, I have a lot of examples in the book of meetings that we had uh, with San Francisco traffic engineers while we were working on accessible pedestrian signals or with the movie case when our blind clients went to the movies with the head of the movie company to say, oh, yeah, we now see why people need audio description. So the cost... uh, The conflict, nobody likes conflict. Even the biggest companies, we've done agreements with Walmart. Bank America has been a wonderful partner over many years. And when approached on accessibility issues in a non-defensive way, I have really seen even the biggest companies get excited to do the work. So then there is a settlement that goes forth, but just as you said, I would assume that would be much less than if it was a lawsuit. Well, the actual agreements um, are very similar. There's there's two parts of the agreements. Um, One is the fix, and in the field of web accessibility, there's also a lot of good lawyers doing good lawsuits. So we can kind of see how does the settlement agreement stack up 
in structured negotiation and in lawsuits. And regardless of the strategy, the Department of Justice under the Obama administration has been great, and they've negotiated a lot of settlement agreements from complaints filed. And they all pretty much in the field of web access have similar provisions because it's not enough to just say, okay, go do web access. You have to bake it in to the DNA of the company, and that really helps a company because it ensures there are no mistakes going forward. So having an accessibility coordinator, making sure you have good training, making sure everyone in the operation is trained. So many of my cases start because a blind person will call a company and the customer service person could be very well-meaning, but the first thing they'll say is, don't you have somebody who can help you with that? And in the book, I talk about our agreement with the credit reporting agencies to make sure blind people have access to free credit reports. And even though our clients were, you know, adults with jobs and independent lives, they were initially told, oh, can't someone read you your credit report? And accessibility has a lot to do with privacy and confidentiality. That's why it's so important especially in finance and health and areas like that, which I talk a lot about in my book. And the credit reporting companies went on to be great partners in structured negotiation, but they didn't know. They didn't have the training. So the agreements bake all that in, and we monitor the agreements just as we would. We make sure they're working. And I'm really... I'm really... I don't want to say I'm proud of my partners, but honestly, the companies who have worked with us in structured negotiation have, by and large, done a really wonderful job in incorporating accessibility into their systems. That is awesome. So, okay, you have this book, uh, Structured Negotiation, A Winning Alternative to Lawsuits. First of all, what made you write that book? How'd that come to be? You know, I just wanted to write it. The more we did it and the more it worked, and I have a chapter in the book about the mindset to be able to negotiate in this way without the safety net of a lawsuit. You know, when you file a lawsuit, there's rules, and they tell you what to ask for and what information you need, and the judge can make decisions. But to work in this process, there are certain traits you need, like patience, equanimity, trust, Certain things that most lawyers are not taught can be effective strategy. So what I say about structured negotiation, it is a tool. It's not the only tool. It's not the best tool. It is a tool that has been really effective. In this arena, I wrote the book so lawyers in all fields could pick it up. And I've already gotten good feedback on this from other lawyers who have read the book said, oh, I got a call from a patent lawyer. You know, I think we could use this because I talk about very detailed the building blocks of the process. How do you write a letter? How do you communicate with people you're frustrated with in a way that you don't trigger them and the thing breaks down? So, I don't know. I just wanted to write it. And I guess also my husband's written five books. (laughs) Wow. I don't want to say there was competition, but I'm like, oh, I've seen him write the books. He sits down, he writes it. I thought it was going to be easy because I have done the work for so long. But in fact, it wasn't easy, and it took me a long time. And I'm really glad that I did it, and I hope it can be of use to people. 
And is the main uh, theme, so to speak, of this book teaching people how how to how to come through with a structured settlement versus a lawsuit? Well, I think that's why writing the book was so hard because, you know, my passion is digital accessibility and civil rights of disabled people and the method. So I wanted to be sure that the book had stories to make it an interesting book. I interviewed a lot of blind people for the book. There's a lot of stories about the people I've worked with. So it's about the method so people can use it not just in disability rights but in other areas and also about the ways in which the method has been successful. And you can't talk about that without talking about what is web accessibility, you know, and why does it matter, and what's an accessible pedestrian signal. So I think that's why it was hard to write. I didn't want it just to be for lawyers, but I wanted it to be useful for lawyers. I wanted to give honor to all the people I've worked with and the issues. So I hope your listeners will read it and let me know what they think. Okay, well, that brings me to my next question. How do they purchase your book? Um, The publisher of the book is the American Bar Association. The best way to get purchasing information is on my website at lflegal.com forward slash book. There is a code. You have to get it right now on the ABA website. There's a 10% discount code on my website. For people with print disabilities, it's available through the Bookshare library, and the direct link is there. Um, I think it's bookshare.org, but if you go to my website, you can go directly to my book there. And the American Bar Association offers it in both a print paperback format and an accessible EPUB format. Oh, that is awesome. Okay, structured negotiation, a winning alternative to lawsuits. Sounds awesome. One more time, is it lflegal.com? Is that what you said? Correct. LFlegal.com. That's LFlegal.com. Structured negotiation, a winning alternative to lawsuits. We're going to go to break before we close the show today with our guest, Lainey Feingold. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. 
since 1985, Bender Consulting Services has served as a national leader in advancing employment of people with disabilities, including veterans with disabilities, with private sector companies, and federal government agencies. Bender assists customers with achieving their diversity and workforce inclusion initiatives by tapping into a talent pool of individuals seeking professional positions, including those in the STEM fields. In addition, Bender services include disability employment consulting, training and technology accessibility through their high test line of service. For more information, please visit www.benderconsult.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. If you have a question or comment, call in toll free at 1 866 472 5788. Now, please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender. Hey, welcome back, everyone. Well, we have been with our guest over the past hour, Lainey Feingold, who is a disability rights lawyer and author, author of Structured Negotiation, a winning alternative to lawsuits uh, today. And Lainey, thank you so much for taking time to join us. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Uh, but before we close the show today, a couple of last questions. First, you know, if you read her bio, when you go to her website, I mean, you, she has so many accomplishments. You, you have done so many great things and accomplished so much, and now you're an author with this book. Uh, but what would you consider your greatest accomplishment? That is a hard question. Um, I would say I feel really good about serving as a bridge between the legal community and the disability community and the accessibility community. And, you know, I speak at a lot of tech conferences, and I feel like I've succeeded in getting many people to think about disability access as a civil right, and I think that is so because of how I've done the work in structured negotiation. So it's not any given case, but it's just about trusting this process as a way to build bridges. Um, Like I said, we've done deals with Walmart and American Express and the kind of companies you wouldn't think would be open to taking leadership roles, but they have, and I think doing it in this process has really led to that. So I would say that's it's a hard question, but I'd say that's my answer. I just want to mention something about that. You know, that is so important, though, what you said, because um, I was listening the other day to Senator Warren, and she said the number one thing I would advise everyone to do is stay connected. And I always think it's so important to be connected and, and that we have someone we can go to that's, you know, that's in between all of this, but an expert in this area. Uh, I really think that's important. I do think that's a great accomplishment because you can be our bridge. Well, and back to you. I mean, just by having such a public presence and doing this radio show, that's bridging too. Especially in this day and age, I think 
Yes, really in this day and age. So well, thank you, you know for what? doing this show. I mean, just this book, just getting stuff like that out there is so important. And apparently you still do a lot of work in the accessibility world just because of what you do. Yes, I have to admit, book marketing is a very time-consuming <laughs> process. So I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to say no a little more to uh, make sure I do what I can do to get the book out. But yes, I'm not retired from the work, and I'm so lucky to be doing work that I like doing with people I like doing it with. So. Uh, Lainey, before we go, if someone wants you to speak at some conference or uh, get in touch with you or follow you, is the best thing going to the uh, lflegal.com? Would that be the best? Yes, I have a contact page on the website that has a form as well as an email address and a phone number if people can't use the form. I'm also very active on Twitter, um, and I tweet about uh, this bridge space, digital accessibility, disability, legal rights, as well as my book. And I'm on Twitter at LFLegal. LFLegal, at LFLegal. Um, and, wow, social media has just become such a great venue for getting information out. So um, LFLegal.com and at LFLegal. So, Lainey, what message would you like to leave with our listeners today? Wow. Um, I've been struggling with this. I've been struggling with this today in light of, you know, the inauguration coming up. And I think the message is that in those spaces where collaboration is possible, where uh, seeing the good as possible, that we need to do it. And at the very same time, we have to be prepared for resisting the very real threat to all that's been accomplished in disability rights, disability justice, and other civil rights in this country. So we have to hold both spaces and see disability rights as a core part of uh, what's important and not lose sight of it even though there's going to be so many other so many other things distracting us and rightfully calling our attention in the next period. Well, yeah, just as Congressman John Lewis said, uh, it is our moral obligation to speak up when something is wrong. And it's so amazing that you would be saying all this uh, Lainey, we end every show with a quote, and the quote today is from the author of the ADA, Tony Quello, and he says, when you get a chance to take the podium, speak up. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice. Join us next week when we talk to Charlie LaValle, the Executive Director of Variety the children's charity. Talk to you then. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.